said the last 18 months or so, the session's been involved in what we call strategic planning, trying to think ahead about the future, recognizing that the church is never static and always uh, opportunities for adaptation and growth and expansion. Before I forget, I want to mention too that as I did upstairs, we have an announcement to be made after this particular session regarding our building community, so we'll get to that in a few moments. Christian education has always been a part of the DNA of Grace Evangelical Presbyterian Church. It's always been important to us. And of course, any evangelical church will tell you the same thing. But in, in a way that probably was more noticeable to me coming as a pastor when I did, uh, the, as opposed to the other two churches that I served, a Christian education was a key component to the heartbeat of the congregation. And one of the ways that this was indicated was by putting Sunday school after church. The vast majority of Christian evangelical churches in the PCA and out have Sunday school before church. And before, in the other two churches I served with Sunday school before church, obviously a large component in the Christian education piece, it was always hard to get people to come. They had to get their children ready and get to church uh, before worship, and it was it almost felt pretty uphill. But that problem was addressed and more or less solved in the early days of the church meeting in the schools by putting the 
Krishna Education Hour afterwards so that everybody was already here. The main event, which most people come for, which is worship, had already taken place. But rather than go home, let's stay and let's take this time then to study the Bible and to gather together and to teach our children. That was a, not a unique answer, but a helpful answer, I think, putting Sunday school after church. Another thing we did, I mean, I suppose without thinking too much about it, was build a church building with a lot of classrooms in it. I believe there's either 11 or 13 classrooms that are usable as space. A lot of congregations now are built just open space without individual classrooms. And as we, we can talk about some of the specifics of that, but they, they, the, the Sunday school piece is, is less appreciated. So building all these classrooms helps us in Bible school and Sunday school with our age graded instruction. We also, from the very beginning, before we even had a building, had a lot of Bible studies for a church our size, it seemed. A lot of people involved in them. There was a women's study led by Gretchen Peary and others, and there were men's studies that were meeting. That has continued to today. Uh, I, maybe Kevin could tell you how many Bible studies we normally have during the week here. But there's one on Wednesday night, for sure, not to mention the youth ministry. There's one on the Monday night for the men's study, which includes at least three groups. And then there are three or four women's studies that meet in various homes. So Bible study has been, uh, every Christian church talks about it. Uh, Grace has done it. We have a lot of it. And it has been important to us. They continue. We see it as, the Bible says, a means of grace to us. And... Um, it's become a really important part of what we do. Along the way, what we should note that we have some very outstanding instructors. From the earliest grades on up to the adult level, Grace has been blessed with outstanding teachers, people who have taught longer than I've been here as pastor with effectiveness. Nancy Moriarty, Lisa Ziga. Linda Smith, Sharon Solberg. Mm. Who else? Ben Abbott. What's that? Ben Sue. Yes, and also uh, Mrs. Uh, McFadden in the women's class. Ken Abbott has been teaching since Beth back Rossi. in the school. Yeah. Beth Morosi. The other churches I served, we, we had a more or less constant problem of saying, who's going to teach this next quarter? And we were trying to pull people out of the congregation to help with the instruction of the children and the adults. That just has not been a problem here for us. Uh, we have other problems, but that's not one of them. Those people just keep, <laughs> they just keep teaching, and they keep doing a good job. You know, I think we should stop and acknowledge that and, and, and uh, appreciate them. And when you see them, thank them. We're giving them a break in August now while we have these sessions, except for the children's teachers. They're going on. Uh, we didn't mention the youth people. I mean, uh, Jim Palmer taught for years, uh, and uh, you know, David Roth and uh, Jim Patton and others have, have taught for long periods of time. So we appreciate that. And, and that's something that has led to the emphasis on Christian education being important here, because you don't know who your, your kids, you know who your kid's teacher is going to be. It's going to be someone who's been there a long time as an effective agent. At the same time that Grace was emphasizing these things, all across the country, 
and all across denominations, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday school have been declining in attendance. There are exceptions. There are some churches that have a flourishing Sunday night ministry or large Wednesday night ministry or really active Sunday school program, but across the board, numerically and statistically, in the Presbyterian Church in America, where we have the closer statistics, but all across the country, Christian education has, has suffered a bit. It's not as emphasized as it was a generation ago. I've certainly seen that in the three churches I've served, in the, in the towns in which I lived, uh, particularly in Tennessee. They were proud of the fact that they didn't have any Little League kids' athletic uh, games on Wednesday or Sunday. But Wednesday night churches were not full because it wasn't because people were attending on Wednesday night, it was because they thought they should attend on Wednesday night. <laughs> because the tradition of it, they didn't want to transgress the, the churches. But they weren't in church. The parking lots were empty, even in a highly churched area like East Tennessee. So there's been a big shift going on in the country over the years. And it's come now to uh, a much more notice. You know how trends are. They start slowly and they move gradually. And then all of a sudden they're true. And all of a sudden they dawn on you and all of a sudden they're here. Well, they're here now. It's impacted my family personally uh, in the sense that uh, my daughter lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you know Grand Rapids, Michigan, it's one of the most highly churched areas in the country. Calvin College, Calvin Seminary, and... Uh, church on every corner, Christian reform, solid community. She has trouble finding a Bible school for her, her kids. So she comes here every year. I mean, it's nice to see the family too, but <laughs> part of the reason is because she wants her kids to have that kind of Christian education experience such as we have here, and she doesn't find it easily. Now, it's probably there, but she doesn't find it easily in, in Grand Rapids. And she values it because she came up through a Christian education system in the churches that I serve that emphasize these things that she sees as waning even in her own congregation. Secondly, my son Eric, who lives up at Aberdeen, has been a part of the uh, church plant there, Living Hope, PCA up there, meeting in school. They're about five years old, and he has three little daughters. And the congregation is yet to have a Sunday school class. Wow. They just don't see it as important. They meet early enough that they could they stay after church, and they visit, and they encourage families, you know, to uh, to have home devotions and that sort of thing. But they haven't gotten around to it. So it, it tells me that it's not important at some level to have organized. And it's a church with almost 100 percent young families my son's age, people in their 30s with young children. Not one Sunday school class in five years, and no talk about starting one. So this is change. This is a change of emphasis, and, and, what, and, and our talk about uh, strategy or actions in the future, we have to acknowledge that. It's a challenge. Just as we talked about the challenge of trying to bring together people from various parts of the geography of our church, it's a challenge for us in this day and age to work in a culture, as Kevin said this morning, 62% unchurched, but among the church, 
it appears that across the country, and not just here in Anne Arundel County, there is a declining interest in these things. And there are exceptions to this, but they are outstanding exceptions, unusual, remarkable exceptions. And the vast majority of it is in something of what we would call at least change and, and maybe even a form of decline. So what to do? Well, we don't know yet, but we're starting to face that question and ask ourselves, how can we continue to carry out the Great Commission in the challenge and the call to, to make disciples of the nations uh, at the same time as facing difficulties? It's especially frustrating to me because here at Grace in particular, we've had great outcomes from these Christian education ministries that we have run. This morning, it was the sixth family that I'm aware of, or individual, to have come out of this congregation into Christian service of some kind or another in a short period of time. Six families, six individuals. More coming, I think. More, more indicating an interest. And uh, Bethany Patton just got back from Malawi, and uh, Carter and Katie talking about, about this thing. That's not the only way to measure a congregation, but the outcomes of our youth and children have been widely positive, I think. And uh, there have been a few exceptions where we've had some difficulties, but of course you're going to have those. And, uh, and, but generally speaking, our graduates, high school graduates, our college graduates have, 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 been, have gotten a good enough experience that they're not sullen, withdrawn, and embittered by the congregation as many young people are today. So we, we, have, to be, we have to be careful about this. And uh, so how can we move ahead and adjust without losing ground? We redouble our efforts. We're not talking now about, for example, canceling men's Bible studies on Monday nights. Uh, but we are interested in forging a new plan for the future that we hope will be um, more responsive. And frankly, part of the reason for this is that the younger families, even at Grace, are, are they're like my son. They're in the church. They're not interested. They just not don't seem to be as eager to do Christian education after Sundays after worship as as uh, used to be the case even five ten years ago. So that's part of our challenge. Well, let me pass out uh, the the outline here today. I get some help here getting these distributed. And, uh, Medium-sized, smaller, medium-large churches, they're struggling. They're struggling. 
And the denomination has acknowledged this. We've talked about it at the General Assembly. There have been a number of seminars, and, and there's a lot of concern uh, among the denominational leaders as to this nationwide decline in Sunday school attendance and interest in Sunday evening and, and you know, the related activities beyond worship. I should say, too, I mean, since some of this is just a uh, change, one of the things that's radically changed in my lifetime as a pastor has been the extension of the 60-minute service. It used to be, maybe it still is in some places, but it used to be that at six, it's after 60 minutes, you were done whether you quit or not. <laughs> I mean, people just tuned out. It's like, okay, I gave you 60 minutes. I'm ready to go. I mean, it was like the falling of a, the chiming of a bell. And the Catholic Church, we sit out the door in 44. There you go. But that's changed. People will come to 75 and 90 minute, maybe even two hour services, much more easily. People who were before uh, wedded to the 60 minute service are now more flexible. I mean, it's almost as if someone flipped a switch. I don't know how that happens. There's some kind of change that you know, how does, how does that happen across the country? How does that happen uh, across generations? I, I don't know, but it happened. Right. And we've had 75-minute services since we met in the school, and I had the sense that if we went to 90 minutes, it wouldn't be too much, it would be more, it would be less controversial than anything I can think of. So uh, that's been a change. Longer worship services, but less interest in Christian education following or before. I can't quantify that, but I'm pretty sure it's true. So our vision, as we've said, is to be a church that has these four areas of emphasis and focus. Outreach, which we're still trying to figure out. Worship, which we'll talk about next week. Building community, which we're, we've got an announcement about that today. And teaching, which is where we are this morning, teaching. Uh, promoting obedience to God's word where truth is explained and applied. Having meaningful Christian education experiences that uh, cover the Bible and, it, and the theological underpinnings of it. So Kevin, if you want to say, this is the probably the least developed of the four because we also felt we spent the less, least time on it initially because we felt it was also one of our strengths. And we wanted to work more on our weaknesses. So, go ahead. Yeah, I think as you notice the outline there, you can see that it's not, you know, we don't have tactics on here. We're not nearly as, the session spent much less time on this than some of the other things. Uh, so, um, there's a lot of room for feedback. There's a lot of room for, uh, for uh, us to continue to work on this. Um, as far as trying to, to work the goal to bring everyone to maturity in Christ through faithful engagement in God's word um, I think it's uh, Colossians 2 where Paul says um, yeah. so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord continue to live in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. 
So Paul, as he's talking about, you know, to this church that he didn't know well, that was struggling with a heresy, um, you know, he's trying to make practical this, this picture of being rooted and built up, strengthened in faith by, by teaching, you know, by, by knowing what, what Jesus said and by the teaching of the word um, that has this practical component in life, um, continue to live in him, you know, being built up. And, and taught. So that's one of the, the one of the verses I think that that you know kind of drives what we would try to do as far as as far as seeing um, our engagement with God's word being faithful and that it be bringing us along to maturity. So some of the objectives here then would be you know to provide instruction of God's word. You know if God has given us His word, then we need to help people understand it. We need to help people uh, engage with it. Less and less do we live in a biblically literate culture. You know, it used to be that, that um, right in the 19th century, a lot of uh, school textbooks were full of Bible quotations. You know that that that, that parables and um, you know uh, it was like the literature of the people were was the Bible. Um, and, you know, of course, that's less and less and less common um, in our day today. So, so we need to provide instruction of God's word. Um, that means a couple different things. It means a lot of things, but it means a couple different ones we've articulated here. One is accurately handle the whole counsel of God's word. Um, if we have 66 books of the Bible, then uh, we need to engage with all of them at some point along the way. Obadiah doesn't get a lot of mention. But um, he's there. <laughs> he had a role. He was right. a prophet of God, part of God's word. Uh, so we need to engage with him, uh, as well as uh, the passages that are much more familiar to us. Um, it wasn't long after we arrived here that you did a long series in Ezekiel. You know, I don't know how common that is, but um, I haven't done it again. Haven't done it. Since. <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, a, a part of valuing the whole of God's word, and I think that's something that's that's um, um, there. There are elements of contrast even among Christians. My brother went to a Mennonite college, and we were talking about this one day, and um, I was saying something about sort of seeing all of the Bible as inspired. And he said something like, oh, so you read a flat Bible? Which was his way of saying, in the Mennonite tradition, the, the Gospels are more important than the rest of the Bible. They just, it's not just a matter of emphasis, it's what they actually hold to doctrinally. Or at least that's what he got, was this idea that the teaching of Jesus are more important than the teaching of Paul, more important than the teaching of <coughs> Genesis. Um, and in one sense, you know, we kind of get that, and, and maybe practically we live that way, and maybe it makes sense that the teachings of Jesus are more relevant than the teachings of Obadiah to us today. But uh, it was it was just shocking to me that that he criticized this view that I had that all of Scripture was, you know, was, was level and God was inspired. God great and useful for teaching right, right. and righteousness. It was uh, all that, yeah. So... Uh, I think we do want to, you know, part of the the, the uh, overarching concept of grace steps, as 
um, whatever, seven years ago or six years ago when we were, we were talking about some of this was this idea that we would teach through the whole Bible um, in every, at least survey it. Um, and we've done some of that, but that hasn't been, um, it didn't really catch on <laughs> in some ways. Uh, and, and, you know, so I think that's something for us to, cons- to, um, to wrestle with. Uh, you know, we, we seem, um, you know, we haven't done anything in the Minor Prophets. We did Jonah, but in, as far as in Sunday school, I think for a long time, for instance. So, so should we do that? Are, are you all up for that? Um, you know, or, or uh, is it more appealing to have a Sunday school class on different topics, studying different books? Not that that's wrong, but... But just what does it look like for us to, to teach the whole counsel of God? Um, and to uh, the second thing would be to you know clearly and, and, artic- and properly articulate reformed doctrine that as we look at God's word, we have a system of understanding. Um, not that uh, we read everything through the Westminster Confession of Faith. You know, not that we put reformed labels on everything that we see. But I think that. Uh, you know, part of our identity as a church is this idea that we're reformed, that we understand scriptures in these ways about about these kinds of particular issues. Um, and I think it's it's helpful not to use all of those labels, and yet I think that as we teach, well, I mean, you know, if if our system is biblical, then it comes out. As you teach the Bible, then you get, you encounter election. You encounter um, perseverance of the saints. You encounter, what? God's sovereignty. You encounter these kinds of, of things through through scripture. Uh, does that make sense? Questions about that first objective there? Um, get it off my chest. Um, one of the things that struck me about this church is I've been attending this church since 2002 that uh, what appealed to me was the fact that our little kids being a teacher I am, I am surprised and questioning these children memorizing scripture my lord and you know what they do it and I think I'm, I'm, so when I go to my So that to me is significant. 
Then the other thing I was going to bring up too was Bob has a relative who became a brother way back in the 1700s. And they went to Antigua. Well, what they found out when they, when they wanted to present the gospel, if they started out with Genesis, they didn't get there. But if they started out with Jesus, they got there. Then they eventually get back to Genesis. But he's the, he's the main thing. And the other thing I wanted to point out, too, you realize here we are at kind of the critical period of our time, and we are studying about the Holy Spirit. And there's almost an aliveness in our church now. That's picking it up. Oh, you mean I've got somebody who's going to help me be a good person? Ooh, that's kind of exciting. So these are the things. See, now I'm 89, so I can get a <laughs> <laughs> and I'm taking advantage of it too. But, uh, and you know, when you get that old, you finally catch on to a little bit. But these are the things that really excite me about grace, and I mean, and, and, and the generosity. But but and also the very way the classes have been taught. Steve did a good job teaching, talking about that. But but, but the, the kids have really gotten a good answer. And that this is a church triumphant. Now, I have one other suggestion. I'd like to see the kids start with music here, too. Music is critical. It's a part of a child identifying a church with the church, too. I can, I mean, if they're, if they're going to be doing something in the church, guess what? That's their church. And that's what they're going to remember as they become an adult. If they're not a part of it, they're just, you know, a member of a class, but that's it. You know, they've got to have something more than that. They've got to have a job, too. So there's a lot of ways to get, and our kids need this more now than ever. This is the church to come So, anyway, I've said my piece. Amen. So there's there's reinforcement. There's VBS. There are mission trips. There's there's what we've seen the Lord raise up is um, uh, something that young people can get a hold of. You know, you have to you have to teach from a lot of, in a lot of different ways, and the, the well-rounded kind of Christian education programs that we've had, I think, have been uh, effective in that way. The Lord's used them. I would just make, if y'all have time, um, over time, 
there was two things that I noticed. Uh, people would make comments over the years I've been here, like if I escorted them over to Valerie's class or something, mm -hmm. they would make comments like, oh, well, I don't know very much about the Bible. I'm afraid to be in a Bible group. So they were afraid to come to a Sunday school. And really, if you think about it, a lot of our teachers, they're very high level. You come into some of these Sunday schools, they're very high level. Mm -hmm. And with so many that are unchurched now, they don't even know the basics. They don't know the basics about the Bible. So it would be, I think there's a need for a Sunday school curriculum for basic knowledge and not just real high-level knowledge. And then the other thing is, um, just, I have no, I'm just telling you, uh, the, I mean, I have no stake in this or anything, but our for instance, our daughter went to a, a community church up off of Calcusville in the northern part of Baltimore before she moved up to Baltimore, uh, to Ohio. And uh, and then again in Ohio, which is a whole other church system, they don't have Sunday school at church, although I disagree with that. I really want Sunday school at church. But their emphasis is also on Bible studies in the home. And uh, they really revolve. They they put a lot of effort into evolving these little groups. And but these groups require leaders and co-leaders who are dedicated to being anchors of those groups. But I think we need that same kind of concept here mm -hmm. in the Sunday school, not just a hit and miss. You know, if I'm not here, would you teach? But I mean, they mm -hmm. we have to be dedicated to being there. But it's just a thought. Yeah, I think that's that first point is really important, that, that, that have more basic outreach. And like I mentioned to you guys about telling people what it is to be a member, because I guarantee you there's people going to, go to, going to church here regularly who think they're members, but they never gone to a member they, they don't know. Mm -hmm. and I, we went to Annapolis EP, and I can remember saying, you know, it's certainly not an entry-level church. Uh, you know, I mean, it just—I felt like so much was so over our head. And I, th I think it's really important. To, uh, I mean, I had my mom. We had our, had my mom go into the members class. When we were raised Catholic and we're recovering Catholic. Um, but uh, uh, my mom went through about six of the classes, and she said, "It's just too Bible-oriented for me." <laughs> he's Catholic. And, you know, I always said you can tell a Catholic Bible by the way it sounds when you open it because it goes crack. <laughs> uh, I mean, we just, we never opened the Bible. And it, it, I think that you really, I think it's a really good point that you need to have some sort of entry level with you and not take for granted that everybody even has the basics. They might have opened their heart to the Lord and said, I want you in my life. Now what? You know, I mean, people really need basic guidance. They don't have a Bible. I mean, they don't want to walk into one of, uh, one, one of Ken Abbott's classes right off the street. They don't have a Bible. They don't even know where Genesis is. They don't know what Genesis They don't know where Revelation They don't know anything about a Bible, much less the basics of the Bible. And they're intimidated to go into I've probably had this told to me about six or seven times over the time. Those are people just verbalizing it. So it could be that there's much more. We're just not verbalizing it. I think it would be something we've talked about before, you know, to have a basic 
you know, basic faith kind of thing. Um, you know, to to uh, I think it's it's something really to consider with for seekers. For seekers, would people stay? Um, you know, and would they would they stick around and, and engage with something like that that was, mm-hmm. that was sort of you know, marketed kind of that way? Um, the sermon discussion class has historically been the kind of catch-all, you know. But you know, it might be two. You know, you can sit in a sermon discussion class and not say anything, and you don't have to have any Bible knowledge except that you heard the sermon. So we we uh, tried to have that as a constant option for anyone who walks in off the street. If you want to stay for Sunday school, there's this group. We just it's laid back. We just talk about the sermon. Um, but, you know, it may be two and two day. Um, that's a good idea. Um, let's look at the second one there about stimulate the spiritual equipping of God's people. So we instruct in God's word and then we uh, try to equip um, and, and work uh, in line with the spirit to um, that uh, God's people would be equipped. So that's... Um, Appropriating the truth, so you have this. There is a truth, and uh, and we want to engage with it, but we don't want to just have head knowledge, right? The second point is application application to Christ's likeness in life. That this truth needs to be changing us. Um, it's not just what we know; it's it's uh, you know it's who we are and and what we do uh, coming out of us. And and we see as we engage with the word. Right, that we see about what it means to serve, we see what it means to love, we see what it means to have wisdom. You know, there's the wisdom books are that we would have wisdom. The uh, uh, you know New Testament is showing us in First John and the books and what it means for us to love and, and what it means for us to serve. Uh, and one of the things I think that's come out of our our sermons over the last. Um, few months is this idea that let's look again at spiritual gifts and maybe do um, we've talked we've been talking about we're meeting with someone this week about a, a curriculum or a, you know some kind of assessment that we could use to help people who are interested you know assess their spiritual gifts and then then what would it you know then that matching process begins we have these gifts we have these ministries um you know, there may be gifts that people have that they've never really exercised um, that would really be of great benefit to the church. One of the most interesting things I ever experienced was an assessment of spiritual gifts mm-hmm. and the negative aspect and how spiritual gifts can be misused mm-hmm. as well as used. And I think a lot of misuse of spiritual gifts creates a lot of the antagonism to the church mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and doesn't invite people to make people want to come in. So I think mm-hmm. that's an important mm-hmm. aspect of that. I think an assessment with both sides mm-hmm. is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that uh, The picture of the, the church in Acts 2, where people are using their gifts, uh, I was thinking about that as part of the sermon. Is it, I was trying to find an example of, of that. Is the misuse of gifts what creates conflict? Or turns people off. Or turns people off. What? cover on today's program with Tim Keller. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Pharisees repent, 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 repent of their sins. sins. 
Um, so, so maybe that's, you know, we've talked about, could that be a Sunday school class this fall on uh, spiritual gifts? Assessing our gifts, you know, seeing how that lines up with, with, um, with what the church needs. And something as well that, um, that's under spiritual gifts, there's is the idea of leadership training. So training people um, to use their gifts to be, to be leaders. Um, that's part of equipping, part of helping people, you know, helping us all get better um, at, uh, at an exercise that gifts God has given us. So, um, questions about that? Questions coming up? I was thinking maybe one thing that might be added would be how to share your faith with the community. And so maybe this class you could go into it and it would maybe help you write your testimony, how to engage with the public, your neighbors, um, maybe through hospitality, maybe just conversations in the hall. Um, but it, it seems very challenging in the workplace. How do you effectively go about and do that? Because I, I mean, in my life, I felt like the call to do that, but sometimes I haven't been too effective about it. Mm-hmm. And so I've started reading these various books and, you know, I'm kind of discovering, wow, there's lots of people have done lots of works and thought on this. And, um, you know, there's various conferences on it. So I was thinking, yeah, that may even tie into a basics class because a lot of the basics, you know, that's all you need to know. And if you can effectively communicate that to somebody else, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and how do you leverage the power of the Holy Spirit, all that stuff, um, you know, might be going to say that. David has done that. Yeah, David a few years did. ago, they Prob- there was... Yeah, probably like four or five years ago. Yeah, there was a series, they did the way of master the, the videos, you know, which a particular evangelistic method um, that I think he's also done with the high schoolers to a degree. Um, but, you know, it's been a while. So it's certainly something that we could... Um, and, and that part of the flavor of the class was also how have you used that this week? I remember sitting in the class, and, and that was the sort of the opening question was: Did you were you able to engage with anyone this week uh, about what we talked about last week, about how to one particular aspect of, of evangelism or something like that? So, yeah, that, that's great. Um, I maybe should have this fit more in the discussion maybe like twenty minutes ago, but nevertheless, um, culturally, I think. Kevin and Steve definitely set the table here for how becoming how it's becoming more and more unusual for Christian education and formalized Christian education in terms of Bible studies and Sunday school to be sort of a value even in the evangelical church. And that's true. Nevertheless, for every believer, like this is not an ice like that, I feel like you start to feel like, well, we're good at that, and so that's like icing on the cake. Like, yeah. Grace is the church with icing on the cake. And really, as believers, like, it's not icing on the cake. Like, we're missing out if we're not engaged, first of all, in study of God's word with other believers. Um, you know, Kevin and I feel this as a family, I'm sure everyone in this room feels this. Like, so much of what we do at church is replicated in other spheres of life. 
I mean, we could be busy every night of the week with sports and school activities and neighborhood stuff and whatever. But what makes what we do at church different is that we're, we're feeding on God's word first. And our fellowship at church feeds off of that. Our outreach feeds off that. Our community building. We could do everything we do here, with a few caveats, anywhere else in our lives. And so my prayer, and I mean, and I admit this is just like a personal bent of mine. That's why I went to seminary, because I wanted to be trained. And I think if we're not longing and feeding on God's word and putting discipleship first, like, why do the rest of it? We could be busy with the rest of it anywhere else. And so I hope that what the Lord will continue to do and do more and more at Grace is make this hunger for God's word first, so that before we're planning events, before we're doing anything else we do at church, we're making sure that we're connected to study of God's word, and I would even say outside of Sunday morning um, with other believers, and I know there are great Bible studies happening outside of the church, um, let's bring that inside the church, because you know we can have Bible study outside of the church, but we want our church to grow, if we want the loveliness we're all experiencing at Grace to be part of our friends and coworkers and neighbors' lives, like, we need to study the Bible here and bring those people here to study with us. And so, I, that's just my thing. It's like, this isn't an icing on the cake issue. This is a food and water or we will die issue. Mm-hmm. I think something similar along those lines, just getting um, to the point where well, like Psalm 63 that we used for the call to worship this morning says, "My we can't soul." <coughs> Sorry. So I was just thinking about Psalm 63 this morning that we used for the call to worship that said, uh, "My soul thirsts for you; my flesh faints for you." Things like that. So that's, I mean, as as a church, we're we're not we're not just limited to a, a location on a street. Um, you know, we're individuals uh, in families. And in brothers and sisters in Christ, and so, I mean, we we need. I mean, I, I think that part of this Christian education should should help us help equip us, as as it says here under the second point, equipping God's people as 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 husbands, as wives, as as fathers, as children, um, brothers and sisters biologically, and then outside of the church. And w- what is the what is a father's role? How does a father um, and a husband, what, what is his role with, with the, the Bible as, as a spiritual leader in the home and the wife as the co-leader? And the, so, so looking at the Bible, not, not only as uh, something we need to be educated about in the church and, and, and how to use it in the church setting, but how all of us as individuals have a responsibility and to, to take the Bible everywhere, to, to, to feed on it everywhere, and especially here when we come together. And, uh, and yeah, and all these, these things will sort of flow out of that. Well, these are things we've been thinking about and that we're trying to mark on, and you'll hear more about in the future. But we, before we dismiss today, we wanted to take a minute to talk back about the first su- subject, which was building community. Because we don't want these sessions to be just about words, and not everything can be implemented in these four weeks. 
but one of the things that came out of that first session was assigning Lyle and Jeff to begin to implement and <coughs> call together people for small group and, and more intimacy in the congregation. And they had an announcement they'd like to make today, and I wanted to let them do that before we go. So Jeff or Lyle? Jeff's the man. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> we'll go with the youth program. Says you, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the things with the uh, idea of small groups is that they can cut across all four of these vision goals, the outreach, the worship, building community, teaching, can all be accomplished with the, uh, with the small groups. So uh, Lyle and I and others are, are meeting uh, over the next uh, week or so to try to put together a grid of the small groups that already exist. We have a lot of small groups. And to sort of substitute the small group model for the shepherding group model as church. Uh, because the, the shepherding groups honestly did not function as a way to make everyone feel connected and to grow in Christ. Uh, and so we're, we need to try something different and we're going to try to put together uh, programs uh, and small groups that uh, offer something for everyone. And what we would really like is to get the ideas. Most all of us have been uh, members of other churches that have been involved with, with small groups. A small group uh, really brought me along uh, much more so than the church service as far as my Christian growth. I was a member of a, of a small uh, men's Bible study for uh, many years at another church, and that is really what provided me with the uh, kind of Christian education that I needed to grow in Christ. So uh, I would hope that all of you that have uh, ideas about how small groups have worked in the past how they might work here would share with Lyle and, and myself and there will be others that, that are uh, part of this uh, ad hoc committee to grow this um, idea in the church and to, and to make it work in a way that maybe it hasn't really completely worked before. I don't think we have a whole lot of time to to uh, do it now, I guess we don't. Well, just, just, to say, just to add that small groups sometimes can be prayer groups focused primarily on prayer. Or they can be uh, somewhat outreach focused. Uh, let's get a few families together, invite our friends, and begin to put things together. Some of them may meet for six weeks every week. Some of them may meet for 12 weeks every other week. Some of them may just continue indefinitely. Don't think of a paradigm that everything has to fit into, or that we have to get all this done by Christmas or something. Uh, we want to be flexible, and we, that's why we're calling for your input, what you think would work, and the kind of small group you'd like to be a part of is probably the kind of small group that other people would like to be a part of. And we can begin to coagulate the group, the, pe the pieces together into <coughs> functioning cells 
that meet different. Some of you may find it convenient to meet here at the church. Most people would rather be in a home. Some people like restaurants. I mean, when I came, there was a Monday morning. <laughs> there was a mor- Monday morning men's Bible study and prayer group at the Double T Diner every Monday morning for years, right, right. right out in the middle of the restaurant. Right. Uh, I mean, it can be a lot of places. Please think <laughs> flexibly. And please think that your participation is needed because we're not, we don't want to set up a bunch of cookie cutter things that nobody wants to do. Right? right. We, had, we had at least two new families uh, come today. And Kathy was the greeter. And so I know that one of them was from Chesapeake Beach and the other was from Waldorf. That makes it difficult to, you know, make this a community church. That is not our, our neighborhood. I hope I made we're, a good impression. We're, <laughs> we're, glad, we're glad to have them, but if we're going to interact with people like that from that far away, we've, we need to do something different than say, come to Birdsville for everything that goes on. Uh, we have other people from way down south, we have other people from way north, and it would be nice if we could address those uh, geographic problems uh, so that people feel connected because I think that's been something that has, has waned a little bit is this connectedness among us that we would really like to, to build. I just one, one thing I, I think it's important about that point about the connectivity a, a big something from my perspective that that's been made it difficult to connect specifically here at Grace over the last four or five years that we've been attending is that we don't have Sunday schools that are demographically <laughs> aligned. So it's more topical, or, or a book of the Bible versus young families, um, you know, whatever the different age groups yeah. are. Um, that's just something that's been on my heart over the last couple of years. I think because when, I, when we talk about younger families, it's very hard for us to get together outside of Sunday morning because one, we're, okay. we're chasing around okay. <laughs> after kids. We know there's daycare here on Sunday mornings uh, where we can put our kids in a good class where they're gonna be learning the Bible, um, hanging around uh, good close friends and getting good instruction. Um, but to try and find a time outside of Sunday morning, it's just gonna be so hit or miss uh, because there's so many different pools. Yeah. Um, so that's just my own my own perspective, is that I think it needs to start right here Sunday mornings, get that connectivity really strong, and then that will naturally um, lead to a lot a lot easier establishment of these small groups. Now that came up when we had our meeting, what was it two weeks ago? A connectivity. Yeah. We're here on Sunday morning, right? And so in one sense, let's make a max of that. Other than to try to meet someplace else, maybe one mile for me, but 30 miles for somebody else. Yeah. We're already used to coming here, so I think we have to maximize the use of that time yeah. as part of it. That's agreed. what you're saying. Agreed, right? totally agree. Yeah. Very helpful. Uh, you've seen this last section, which Kevin didn't get to. This is sort of the structure and the rubric that we probably will be following. First of all, item 3A, assign a supervisory ruling elder on these particular areas. And in this particular case today, Lyle and Jeff have been assigned. For the Christian education component, it has been Tony, 
we're in the process of maybe, Tony's also involved in missions and other things, so we don't have maybe a long-term resolution of that issue, but certainly Kevin's time is, is heavily weighted in terms of Christian education, so he will be involved. Secondly, we want to assign ministry leaders, and that's what Jeff is talking about. They're in the process, he and Lyle are in the process of talking with people even now to be involved in some kind of oversight of small group ministry. And, and then third, you may want to be one of those people. And then thirdly, uh, to assign ministry committee or some kind of steering committee or group to help us coordinate these things. In addition to participating in a small group, it would be helpful to hear from you because we don't want to set up small groups that nobody wants to come to. We want to hear from you. And, you're, and this church is unique in all of its ways. So unless we hear from you, we can, we can draw it up beautifully on the chalkboard, but it may not work at all. So we, want, we really want you to talk to Jeff, talk to Lyle, talk to me, talk to Kevin. Tell us what you're thinking, and somehow the Spirit will, will bring order out of that, we trust. Can I say something yes. to that effect? Yes. A lot of churches are designed top-down. pastor tells everybody what to do. Mm-hmm. That's not us. Right? Growth comes from the low, mm-hmm. from everybody else. If you have an idea, God calls you to do something, let us know. We'll support it. Indeed. So, shall we pray? Father, we see these challenges that we face regarding geography and shifting cultural interests, and even within the church, uh, sometimes a waning interest in Christian education. We see the enormous need of our county, and we wonder how we can reach out to them effectively. And we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us, guide us, and direct us in these paths. So that we might uh, engage in all of these things, building community, outreach, and Christian education, and be able to be more effective in them. We thank you for the the gathering today, for the input we've received, and for what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.